Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by our guest speaker be a blessing to your life and helping you to grow in your understanding in God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. I thought for you, every now and then I meet people here in South Jersey, and um, and a shout out to Pastor Ryan and Paula, your pastor and his wife, and our good friends, we have a lot of fun together. Shout out to you up there in New England. Make sure you find your way back home. Um, but I met a man the other day who was wearing a Steelers hat. Now, some of you know I, I lived in Pittsburgh for 12 years. I finally did. I, I bleed black and gold. I have to admit it. I'm a Steelers fan. Um, how many Eagles fans are there today? Just that many this year with a 6 on record? Come on. So this man was wearing a Steelers hat, and in South Jersey, I, I usually walk up to people and they know him. He's like, hey, how you doing? I said, that's a great hat. Tell me how you became a Steelers fan. His answer was, I became a Steelers fan because of the Eagles. <laughs> okay? He said, my mom was a diehard Eagles fan. Now, this guy was probably about 60, so we'll look on back. And he said, my mom was diehard. And seeing the Eagles always winning toward the end of the game, they figured a way to lose and he just said, I just watched them, I got tired of them. And he went to the Steelers. Probably moved over to one Bradshaw years, and they won four Super Bowls, whatever. And I thought about that, and I thought, Lord, help me to not be like someone who talks the talk but doesn't walk the walk. Oh, that new That's right. <laughs> right, Monty. I want to be limited for Jesus. I don't want to just be trash talking, but on game day, I fail. You know? And so just remember, everybody's watching you, how you live your life. And we want to, we just want to shine for Jesus, right, in a dark world. We have such a great opportunity. And don't let it be said that, uh, you want to know why I don't go to church? And you know why I don't serve God? Well, I'll tell you why. And they'll usually list a couple of people's names. I've been around for a few years. I've heard people talk. Let it not be you. Let it be you shine for Jesus. And if they choose not to come to church or want to serve Jesus, they can't put your name there as a person. Well, they talked to talk, but they didn't want to walk. So I decided to become a Steelers fan. Now, this is a great year to be an Eagles fan, right? That's a great year to be a Phillies fan, right? Any Phillies fans? Yeah, I know. Listen, I know the games this afternoon on TV, probably most of you aren't going because it cost you $500. Plus <laughs> like that, so so uh, we'll be done before the, the show comes on um, this afternoon. And uh, if they win it, they go to the World Series, right? That's cool. I'm reminded of uh, a lot of stories of a pastor that got up to preach, and I'm just, I'm just filling in this morning. Um, I'm going my way. But anyway, he got up to speak, and he said, I, I just have so much to say. I have so much to say. I don't know where to start. And some from the congregation held out, why do you start here in the end, preacher? <laughs> start here in the end. Uh, hopefully we won't go too far. Okay, but I, I really pray when I have these opportunities and uh, ask God what he wants me to share. And so I, I tell my thoughts, waking up the woke generation. And I'm going to read these verses from Ephesians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you have your phone in front of you, whatever you have. Um, we're starting at verse 8. I'm going to read verse 8 to 21. And we're going to go from there. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the day's real. This passage sounds like today, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It was written like 2,000 years ago, nothing new under the sun, right? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything 
In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That finish about singing, making melody, praising God. That's what we're doing this morning in worship, right? You're, you're, you're encouraged to be involved, not to be a participant just sits there, but to be involved yourself because when you're involved, something happens in your soul. God speaks. And so here, here's some instructions for us. So let me ask you a question. Did any of you ever stop at a yard sale? Flea market, garage sale, church rowing sale, thrift store, rancho thrift store, Cowtown flea market, etc. Anybody ever done that? Okay. If you haven't, you're in the slim minority, so I'm saying. Okay. Now, what is it about these types of events that cause us to go? Well, it could be simply great items for a low price. And then you can brag, guess what I got the other day? Guess what I paid for it? Okay? Um, and the same can be said about sidewalk shopping, great items for free. Guess what? Pick up off the slide with your phone away. It's an antique. Are you kidding me? I've done that personally. I mean, tell you what, it's just amazing. As the saying goes, one person's trash can become another person's treasure. Now, here's what happens sometime in a yard sale. Let me get my prop now. You're at a yard sale, a thrift store, or whatever, and. You're looking at stuff. Okay? You're looking at stuff. You pick something up, you talk to the person and say, How much for these pair of boots? And they say, Oh, we're asking eight dollars. And you might say, No, it's your turn. Would you take six? <laughs> the person says, Yeah, I think I'll take eight. I just started today, there's still a lot of people coming. So you're like, okay, let me think about it. And you put the boots down. You walk over to look at some other stuff. Meanwhile, some other customers show up. And someone picks up the boots and buys them. You come back if you made mine. That's a really good deal for $8. These would be 60 something in the store. I think I'll buy it. And, and they're gone. What just happened? You missed an opportunity. That's what happened. You should have kept them in your hand while you were thinking about it. While you're walking around looking at other stuff. But now it's gone. And you're saying, bummer. Here's the phrase from Latin. Carpa diem, if I'm pronouncing that right, I think I am. Used by the poet Horace in 23 BC from book one of his work called Odes. Translated, seize the moment or seize the day. You should have bought it when you first held it in your hand. You kicked yourself because you missed the opportunity for a big bargain. Well, I held these in my hand. I found two items that I was looking for, went to the thrift store with some good friends in the name of Pastor Brian and Paul. <laughs> some of you know them. My wife and I were in there, and I had been looking for some good hunting boots. But I'm not going to the store and paying 70, 80 bucks. I walked in, walked over to the shoe department, boots, there they are. Look at the soles of them. These these are hardly ever used. You know, you guys here, you've got to farm the animals. Thank you so much for your help over the years with all the animals and the life activities. These were used. There'd probably be some little mud spots in the least they could wore down. Made in Canada. I'm looking at these and I'm like, I'm walking around holding these. And I said, these are for me. I'm not setting them down on the shelf while I walk around the store looking at all the other bargains that are here because someone else might walk in and they're gone. I seized the moment. You hear me? I think they were eight bucks. I can handle that. This passage that we just read in Ephesians, part of the passage talks about taking advantage of every opportunity because the days are evil. That was Paul writing that, by the way, 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. We still deal with evil. And Paul is saying, also in this passage, we should be wise guys. Not smart Alex, but wise guys. In making the most of every opportunity, seizing the moment by understanding the will of God and doing it. And he says it a couple times, be wise, don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Make good choices, understand the will of God. You know, I looked at that phrase, smart Alex. 
How many ever heard that phrase before? Now, I heard that when I was a kid. You know your mom and dad have phrases. And as you grow up, you just use the phrases. Then I like to look at where that phrase comes from. And um, as for smart eye, it was actually derived from an actual criminal con, con man named Alexander Hay, who set up a criminal enterprise in the 1840s. And he was one of those, aren't most of them, arrogant and cocky and thought he'd never get caught. But he was wrong. And in the early 1850s, he was arrested by police officers taking bribes from him so he could continue his enterprise. But then he was holding out on them, and he didn't think they knew. He thought they were really stupid. They arrested him, put him in jail. Ten years after his arrest, Smart Alley entered the American lexicon, initially as police slang for a criminal who was too smart for his own good, whose cockiness led to his arrest. And in our culture today, as was true in the Apostle Paul's day, we have a lot of smart hours. Don't we? We have a lot of arrogant people. You can watch them. You watch them on TV. You listen to them talk in the marketplace. Just arrogant people. Uh, Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. I'm not afraid of that. So I have found Romans chapter 1. And exchanged the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles with cardinal kind of idols. And I need to tell you that nothing has changed in 2,000 years since Paul wrote this. Read the rest of the chapter if you'd like to know about the sins of mankind. They're detailed. Nothing new about that either. Um, our culture today, as has been since the beginning, is still made up of Cain's and Abel's. Are you with me? It's made up of godly and ungodly, righteous, unrighteous, saints and sinners. There has been and there always will be spiritual warfare. And I won't, I won't turn that passage to read for lack of time, but Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 18 talks about the spiritual warfare in high places. So anytime we're dealing with life and we're dealing with wicked people, and we want to kind of take it personally, understand is spiritual warfare is Satan working through people that are asleep in the light. The light's there, but they don't choose it. They're asleep. They've given themselves over to the devil, yet they think they're so smart and they got it all together. And it's spiritual warfare. It then behooves us to be clothed with the armor of God, doesn't it? That we could fight against the enemy daily and we could stand after it's over. So, here's a question for you. What are believers supposed to do? How, how should we live as godly, wise people, not smart allies, but godly, wise people, in the midst of a wicked, woke culture that wants to cancel those who speak God's truth? And let me just pause there for a minute, that word cancel. We hear that word a lot in our culture today. How many are glad that Jesus canceled our sins? He could have canceled all of us. Because we're all born in sin, the scriptures all have sinned and show the glory of God. I just find it amazing that people want to cancel everybody else and they think they're so perfect. They got so many flaws they can't see them because they're so stuck up and filled with pride or blind to their own sin. Because there's no one perfect but Jesus. I'm glad Jesus chose to cancel my sins instead of canceling me. And I woke up to the light of Jesus when it shined in my life. And I changed my life around. Um, so how do we as godly, wise people in the midst of a wicked, woke culture that wants to cancel those who speak truth, how, how are we supposed to live our lives? Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by the wickedness. The word suppress means to forcibly put an end to, defeat, Conquer, stifle, smother, censor. This is 2,000 years ago, by the way. So the things we're dealing with today, though they might have different terminology, there is nothing new. Saints before have had to deal with the same kind of stuff we deal with today. You speak truth, you speak about Jesus, we're going to shut you up. And by the way, 
If the perfect one was here, Jesus went to him. They crucified him, didn't they? We're going to shut this guy up. You know, I find how, how hard people's hearts can be. Toward the end of Jesus' ministry, he raises Lazarus from the grave. He'd been stone cold dead for four days. This was no playing some game. He didn't pretend to be dead and they put him in the grave. He was stone cold dead. Everyone knew it. He was in the grave. The, the sister said by now he stinks. Don't, don't, you know, don't move the stone. Jesus calls him forth the grave. You know the story. And because of this, it says many of the Jews followed Jesus. But there were others that said, look at all the people following Jesus because of what he did with Lazarus. We need to kill Lazarus. Yeah, you hear me? It's all recorded in Scripture. And you're saying, wow, what do these people need to see that Jesus is who he says he is? He really is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. No one could do this except Jesus. So there's always going to be hard hearts. Just remember that. But there's always going to be those who follow after Jesus. It's all in Scripture. It's all I'm saying. And when you're facing the struggles of life, you're like, oh my goodness, how terrible is it? Nothing new. But Jesus is here to help us to be uh, light in the darkness. We know that uh, Satan and his wicked followers will not succeed. No, we know that. Because Jesus said, among many other things, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Those are promises that Christ has made and he keeps, by the way. He keeps. So listen to me. Never apologize for taking a stand from God's word. If it's your opinion or your tradition, that's a whole different thing. But when it's God's word, never apologize. This is inspired by God. He's given us these words of truth to live by. Do it in a kind of gentle way as you can as you're speaking truth to people. So don't apologize. Oh, I shouldn't have said that Jesus is the only way of truth and life. Oh, he's just one of No, don't ever apologize. He is the only way of truth and life. There's no salvation in any other. Doesn't matter how many other sincere people are or whatever walk of life they're in, he's the only way for salvation. Don't ever apologize for that. Truth is what sets people free, not lies. Are y'all with you this morning? Lie all you want to people, but you're not helping them. Truth sets people free. And by the way, you may not think you're making any impact. And uh, I, I remind people of the life of Paul when he was Saul. Who would have thought? Who would have thought if you were living there that Saul would become a mighty man of God? If you were being persecuted by Saul and the people with him, and you just watched him stand there and put his coat down as he approves of Stephen being stoned to death, would you have thought, this man's going to be a man of God? Yeah, he thought that, right? He was part of the woke generation. He thought he was right on. He thought he was serving God when he was doing get rid of a, a dangerous cult group. And then Jesus got a hold of his heart. He did something no man could do. I can't speak words from heaven. I can't blind someone's eyes and knock them off their horse. So when you're looking at people that are so hardened and turning against God, keep praying for them. Where there's breath, there's hope. God's not done. To those who claim to be woke, they're actually asleep. They're dead men walking in their sin, leading, heading to eternal destruction as they seek to cancel the church, the saints of Jesus, who are awake from their sins because the light of Jesus has shined in their lives. Um, and I'm going to read another passage from Ephesians if you want to move back there, take your Bible open, you have your phone. Ephesians 2 says it this way. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in all those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us. Wow. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness for us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast, 
For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Aren't you glad that you're alive in Jesus? We were all dead by transgressions and sins. And I told people, and some of you, like, you know, Megan and Laura, she's heard me preach a lot. And you're still here today. Thank you. <laughs> some of you others, Bernice, you heard me speak a lot over the years up there, first 18. Um, listen, we were all dead in our transgressions and sins. I'm saying, well, why? No, there's two kinds of people. There were good sinners and bad sinners. Both are going to hell. But because of Jesus, we're forgiven on our way to heaven. Amen? Are you all with me this morning? Don't be so high and mighty, like, oh, I was never. No, you may have never went out and done drugs, beat people up, went in jail, all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says we're all born in sin. Yes. It's by grace. I can say, well, I went to church all the time as a kid growing up. I don't know my Sunday school, school perfect attendance pins and you know, I dress sharp. Doesn't matter. I need a savior. And I realized that as a young person at age 12, especially at a youth rally. Gave my life to Christ. And every day I realized I need my I need even help you like like uh, the Red song about this morning. So we were all once part of the woke generation. Then Jesus radically awakens us. And we're now called to be a, a woke people of God. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. A woke people of God. Salt and light for Jesus. Reaching others and rescuing them from their sin. How, how do we do that? How do we engage today in our sinful culture? I want to leave you some, with some thoughts from the book of Esther. Esther has got to be one of my favorites among many favorites. Passage of scripture in the Bible. But turn to me to the book of Esther. And I'm, I'm not going to read the whole book. I'm going to read the that. It's only 10 chapters. I'll read it. Read it. Speed read it. Real fast. You know, go through it. Uh, how many of you ever saw Esther up the sight of stone? How many of you ever read through the book of Esther? Okay. So you have a lot of understanding of the book of Esther. So let's get some, some things we can put a hand on and say, when I leave today, here's, here's a way I can impact my culture for Jesus. Okay. Uh, realizing that uh, previous generations have worked through the same kind of issues that we work through. Okay, here's a little brief summary. Chapter 1, Queen Bastide is disposed. In other words, she got the move <laughs> for not obeying her husband, who was the king. It's all there. He wanted to bring her before all these people. They're having parties. They're all drunk out of their mind. And he wants her to come love her beauty. And she's like, there's no way I'm going to have those filthy, rotten animals lusting after me and all that. I'm not, I'm not going. So, so, so the king asks his wise people, what should I do? And they're all like, hey, if this word gets out among all the people, all the wives will be rebellious against their husbands. <laughs> it's all recorded. It's not, I'm not making this up. We can't have that. There'll be chaos. All the girls say, no, I'm not cooking that for you. You want a cup of iced tea? You got two legs? Walk to the fridge and get it yourself. I'm like, you're serving? Can't have that, right? Now, I'm not saying that's for today. I'm not saying that men, men are cheap their wives. Like, I'm just saying, in this story, this is what took place. So the wise man says, hey, she's got to go. And you got to make a decree that this will not be tolerated. And then we're going to search for a new queen. Like, that's all recorded here. So, chapter 2, we see the crowning of Queen Esther... After a nationwide search for beautiful young virgins was made, culminating in her crowning in Atlantic City as Miss America. Oh, well, Miss America. By the way, this was a four-year period of time. This is incredible. It's four years. These wise people want to make sure they're getting the perfect person for the king, so the king's not mad at them. Says so you guys are really stupid. All this time, and here's what happened. So we have it all taking place. In chapter three, we have. Wicked Haman, who is the CEO of his woke generation, plotting to cancel and destroy all the Jews. Again, there's nothing new, folks. It's all in Scripture. You know why? Because Mordecai refused to bow to him. Mordecai said, I'm not bowing to anyone. To, like, he was wanting worship by him. He's like, I'm not bowing. I'm only bowing to God. This kicked him off. Do you know how people get ticked off? Not because they think they're so powerful and have money, they can do whatever they want. And he said, I'm going to cancel Mordecai. But he found out that Mordecai was a Jew. And so instead of just having one guy taken out, let's take out all the Jews. 
How cool is that? Yeah, nothing new, is there? Let's shut down any voice of anyone that speaks for God today. Oh, if you're concerned in any way they believe in morality, oh, you must be a dangerous person. We're going to shut you down. We're going to cancel you. I want to tell you something, folks, about less than two weeks. Everybody in Mary has the opportunity to go to the ballot box. Don't sit on your hands, go and vote. And vote for the ones closest to God's work. Now listen, if you're waiting to vote for the, vote for the perfect candidate, you'll never vote. Not a perfect. And Jesus was the perfect candidate, but nobody rejected him. And nailed him to a cross. You get out and vote, and if you vote, you can pray. If you don't vote, don't you complain about people in leadership, because you have a free opportunity. We live in a free land. Are you glad? There's people in countries around the world who wish they could vote. That wasn't a dictatorship and all the kind of stuff that happens. So you can get out and vote. You can make a difference. You can speak out against those who want to cancel your voice because you have the nerve to say, God created a male and female. No, there aren't 50 genders. There is no such as fluid gender. None of that stuff. It's all made up by a world culture that thinks they're so smart and educated. It's a man and a woman. It's still God's plan. Always has been, always will be. And we unapologetically say that from God's word. You have an opportunity to speak against those who want to cancel. And that's one of the ways, and there'll be a few more we're going to look at. Mordecai, chapter 4, Mordecai and cousin Esther, who are members of the awoke in God generation, now it's their turn to come up the back. To hit, as it were, a glance, grand slam for the Jews. God placed them there as such a time for such a time as this. Not just Esther, but Mordecai. That's all recorded in the scripture. Last night I just looked at the score. I just brought my phone, Philly scored. The Phillies were losing. I'm like, oh, the Padres got this game. I looked a little later, I'm like, oh my goodness, what happened? The Phillies came back, they had some batters come up and hit some home runs, didn't they? And back some runs in. All of a sudden it turned, and now we're one game away from the World Series, right? So it's now Mordecai and Esther's turn to come up to bat. The bases are loaded. It's the ninth inning. There's two outs. We're behind. What will you do? They came up to bat in the Grand Slam. You've read the story. Here's some wisdom from 460 to 400 B.C., over 2,400 years ago, recorded here in the book of Esther. Chapter 4, 1 to 11, I call this, and I'm not going to read all these verses, and you're glad because you're looking at the clock saying, oh my goodness. <laughs> I call this passage of scripture the wake up, Esther. Everything that I have this morning, I want to point you to the word up. Even it's not correct English. I just want you to know that. It's going to be up. up. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Up. Okay? Wake up, Esther. Esther, why is Mordecai Why is he crying and weeping? She sends something to find out what's going on. And Mordecai sends her the document that's been signed by the king because of wicked Haman. That on this certain day, all the Jews can be slaughtered. She's, oh my goodness. See, sometimes we want to live like the stork who we misinterpret the stork. They say the stork doesn't put his head in the sand because it's one to forget all the stuff around it. Some of you, you work with animals. The stork, they said, puts its head down in the hole in the ground to make sure the eggs are okay. That's where they lay the eggs. I mean, I read that recently. I'm like, that's really cool. That's how God made it. It's a safe place. And how's things going, dude? <laughs> but we've used that phrase. Don't put your head in the ground like a stork does. To, to like, I don't want to see evil. I don't, I don't want to see it only here. Like, don't, don't bother me with the facts. That's not what God wants us to do. God wants us to realize what's going on in our world and be salt and light. And Mordecai is being used here to goad her on. You know, goad a sharp stick? Got to be used with cattle or something to move them on or whatever. And he's saying, Esther, here's what's happening. She was sort of isolated in the castle. She didn't turn on the daily news. She didn't have a computer and have a phone and have a website and all that. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's easy to get isolated. In a church setting, if you hang around just Christians all the time, no, I don't want to watch the news, and I don't want to see all that stuff. Folks, God has placed us to be in the world, to be a witness for him. Not of the world, but in the world. That we can be an influence. And so, 
He's saying to her, Hey Esther, you need to wake up because here's what's happening. Sometimes we say we're awake, but not really awake. Here's a little story from growing up. My brother Ron got a really good paying job when he was a senior in high school. It affected his grades. He snapped back later in college and did really good, but I couldn't believe mom and dad let him work the hours they worked. Smith's Pies. Anybody ever eaten Smith's Pies lately? Well, their main plant was over in Plattstown, PA. That was like a stone's throw from where we lived. He got a job there as a senior in high school. He was making more money than my dad, who was still working on the railroad. So he'd go out and buy stuff, you know? He borrowed money off my brother Ron. He was rolling in the dough, real love dough. Smith's Pies. <laughs> One day, his friend stopped to borrow his car. Real nice 66 Le Mans, four speed on the floor, overhead cam, six cylinder, four barrel. I mean, those cars, you see, you're paying for this stuff today, millionaires? And anyway, he stopped to borrow the car. And my mom said, well, Ron's upstairs sleeping. And he'd go upstairs and wake him up and see if he'll let you use the car. So they were good friends from high school. He'd plug up, ah, Ron, you lazy head, wake up. He probably worked all these hours. My brother wakes up, Ron says, I want to borrow your car. And my brother gets in the keys and goes back to sleep. Hours go by, and then my brother wakes up again. He goes out to get his car, and his car's gone. He has no recollection of a conversation or giving his keys to his friend. He is ready to call the state police. We live in the middle of nowhere, and there's a state police patrol. He's ready to call the state police and say, someone stole my car. That's an incredible thought, because where we live, we left our keys in ignition most of the time. We didn't lock the doors, right? Well, dear. Straight year came by, Grandma, they stole your car. It's just like craziness. And my mother said, don't you remember your friend Rod came and you gave him the keys? He had no recollection. So Rod thought he was awake, but he wasn't really awake. He was a stupor. Sometimes we're not really awake. As the Church of Jesus Christ, being aware was taking place in our culture. And God has placed us here to be salt and light. You hear me? Yes. Wake up. And then, in chapter 4, verses 12 to 14, and I'll, I'll read these verses. I label this, stand up. When Esther's words were reported back to Mordecai, and the words were basically, I can't go to the king. If he didn't call for me, and I show up, he could say, take her out and kill her. I mean, that's the king's power. It doesn't matter if she was the wife and all this beauty queen contest. He said, if I go to him now, he doesn't accept me with the golden scepter, put it out. I'm dead. And so she's like, I can't do it. And Mordecai says to her, this, he sent back his answer, don't think that because you're in the king's house, this is chapter 4, verse 13, that you alone of all the Jews will escape. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place. You and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. So listen, Mordecai had wisdom from God. Mordecai had raised Esther. Her parents were not in the scene. They probably died when she was young, and he, he was her cousin. He took her in like a daughter to raise her. And he's like, Esther, you need to stand up. You can't just shove this off on someone else. It doesn't matter what. It's time for you to step up to the plate and swing it back. Stand up. I wonder... Do we often miss that opportunity when the Lord is speaking clearly to us about things He wants us to do? Because the days are wicked, we have an opportunity. We are called to redeem the time, it says, I believe, in King James in that phrase. Buy back. Take advantage of opportunities to impact the darkness with the light of Jesus. Esther, you need to stand up. And if you don't, believe you me, God will bring deliverance from someone else, but you won't be spared. Oh, I'm just not going to get involved, so no one's going to call me neighbor. No, you won't be spared. They'll find out, oh, you go to the First Assembly of God? Oh, you must have some godly values. Hmm. Cancel. You hear me? It's time for all God's people to stand up. Wake up, stand up. Point number three is wisdom. Now, I know that doesn't make sense. I understand. I, I had English class and everything. I'm just saying. All that's to do with up. Wisdom up. So here's, 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 here's where this really comes in really play for us today. Esther finally says, 
Okay. All right, Mordecai. I got it. Here's what we're going to do. Go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa, that's the capital city at the time, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three nights, three days, night or day. I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Just catch that in there about fasting and praying. If we did more of that, to me it would be amazing the opportunities that God would show us to make an impact with the gospel in our culture. Fasting and praying. Esther needed to hear from God. By the way, she's a young lady. She's in a position now where she's got to intercede for all of her nation. Are you with me? Showing like some seasoned saint and serving God for 50, 60 years. And, but no, she was a young lady. So God, if I'm going to go and speak to the king about what's happening, I need wisdom. Gather everybody together, have a fast and pray. There's nothing new about that, is there? We're being called to do more of that in our culture today than ever before. Because of all the things we see around us, we are called to fast and pray. How many believe that God hears us when we pray? How many believe He hears us when we give up some meals? How many know we can give up some meals and wouldn't hurt us at all? Wouldn't hurt us. You, look, you aren't going to die quickly. You can go without food for a long time. Order you need, but food, you know. I think over the years of different ministries that God has raised up because somebody saw a need and they fasted and they prayed and said, God, give me wisdom. This church, I remind this church because your days aren't over at all. This church had vision during World War II to plant First AG in Carney's Point. Well, Penchgrove, most people call it Penchgrove, the old timers, Carney's Point. Seven people from here and a pastor agreed. Who was the pastor then? But then remember in the 1940s who was the pastor? Remember your history? He agreed. Listen to me. World War II. I said this before to you folks. World War II. Many men were fighting. Factories building war machines. Women were going to factories to work. People were rationing things. No one knew how long the war was going to continue. Things were really tight. This church agreed to set aside part of its ties. I win me to plant a new church during World War II. I say that to say this, don't wait until it's a convenient time to say yes to what God's speaking to you to do. Mm. There'll never be a convenient time. You'll always have an excuse. You do what God tells you to do when he tells you to do it. And he'll take care of the rest. Amen. This church is still here. I can tell you there have been thousands of people in the 70 year history of that church that have come through those doors and heard the gospel. Heaven alone has the record of those who come to Christ there and save, fill the Spirit. Some call the ministry. Lives change, families healed. Because there were seven people here. Monty, you're related to one of them. I mean, you told me that, right? Yeah. Okay? Seven people and a pastor who agreed to take a step of faith during a very difficult time. <laughs> so, if you're making excuses, please, it doesn't cut it with God. When He's telling you what to do, you need to do it. I'm watching through the rest. So, I. I brought some things with me just to remind me of things that God's raised up, but every now and then I pull out my speed light hat. Some had a vision years ago for young people to engage them to be involved in raising money for missions. You know what? Out of those who got engaged with speed the light, which is still an ongoing ministry, there are those who have gone into the mission field full-time for Jesus as adults. They got involved as a young person raising funds, fundraising. I don't care if it's a rock-a-thon, walk-a-thon. Ethan, whatever it was, we had all these funds, you know, raising money. But someone came up with that idea that God inspired that of them, and they came up with the idea. This is a great one for old timers, not, not me, but you know, any of you that are old, you know, like Monty here, he's got a long way here. His dad's the uncle looking at him. Sorry, Monty. I see some of the family has a good sense of humor. Had a hard life. Yeah. Your father will probably tell me the story of that. He's the one that had a hard life raising, I guess. The RV volunteers. Someone said, we have people retiring in their 50s. They got a little resources. They got health yet. And they're going to get up and look at the wall and say, I don't have to go to work. What am I going to do today? You're going to sit in the back porch and drink ice tea until you drop dead and throw you in a hole in the ground? Or are you going to use those years for God? RV ministry. We've done some of it ourselves. We're going to do more of it, Lord willing. You have an RV, pull behind trailer. Or go somewhere, someplace, some little apartments. I'm going to volunteer to help 
rebuild the church after a hurricane. I'm going to volunteer to help build a campground where kids come to hear about Jesus. I'm going to help a church. And millions and millions and millions and millions of volunteer hours and multi-millions of dollars have been saved because someone said, we have a whole group of people that need a purpose to get up for every single morning. Now they're retired. Are you all with me? You, you know, today you can live to be 90. You can retire at 58. That's over 40. That's like 30-some years, right? To do what? And I got to go to Walmart again. Were you just there yesterday? Yeah, but you know, I got something to do. Like, really? Stay home, save your money. Find something positive God wants you to do. And then do it while you're hard. A lady in our church many years ago came and he says, Pastor, this is like a food desert here. And, and God just gave me this idea. I was reading in, in Leviticus about gleaning and saving food for the poor and the orphans and all that. And she said, I, I just feel like God wants me to go talk to area farmers and see if we can take food they can't sell. That started pushing for blessing. Twelve years ago. And listen, you folks have been involved with that ministry. We brought food to you. You guys brought food to us. You've had a food bank going on where you're helping people. God raises these things up. He speaks to people. Here's one that I love from history past. And it's entitled, Your Nation Can Be Changed. So you look at your nation and think, oh my goodness, there's nothing we can do. No, that's a lie. There were 10,000 sex workers plying their trade on the streets of London. Binge drinking and gambling were widespread. The UK had descended into decadence and immorality. This was the 18th century. Church congregations had declined sharply, just as they have in recent decades. Parts of the church had virtually descended into paganism, yet the nation was changed. The preaching of John Wesley and George Whitfield began to take effect. Thousands of people responded to their message and encountered Jesus. Here's the part I don't want you to miss. Robert Rakes. Have you ever heard that name before? Robert Rakes? Robert Rakes started his first Sunday school in 1780. He's the founder of the Sunday school. The growth from this one idea raised 300,000 unchurched children within five years. By 1910, there were well over 5 million children in Sunday school. God birthed an idea. Robert Race ran with it. Do you remember back in the day when we all had Sunday school buses? I knew people in our church that were picked up as a kid for Sunday school and they came to Jesus because someone went out on a bus. And I know you had it here. Went out on a bus, got up early, went out, came on Saturday, picked them up on Sunday. I know you're still bringing people to church in, in the vehicle. But God wants to give us wisdom. There's so many more things we've done. Out of the life of this church started Cornerstone Women's Resource Center. Tom Mosley's son. Is it Tom the second, Tom the third? Tom the third. He came home after his daughter wrote a letter, uh, wrote something for school, and that's about abortion. He said, we've got to do something. Almost 40 years have gone by, and Cornerstone is alive and well, saving children and their mothers. Yeah. And this church is a big part of that. Don't ever estimate small beginnings. Don't ever underestimate when God speaks to you, not going to come back. You need to do what God tells you to do. You need to pray and fast and get wisdom to know how to speak truth into your culture. Wake up, stand up, wisdom up, courage up. When I look at verse 16 of chapter 4, Esther is getting courage. And she's saying, after you pray, pray and fast for me, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Did you catch that? That's a young lady saying, if I die, I die. But I'm going to get courage to stand up and not be ashamed. How many are willing to stand up and say, I don't care what they do to me. I don't care what names they call me. Hey, we sang a song. If I'm in the fire, who's in the fire with me? Then the king looked in and said, we threw three minutes, there's four here, and he looked like the sun got. I mean, come on, it's all in scripture, right? These people have stood up throughout generations past. We have the record on them. And we know people today that stood up and said, I'm not going to compromise. No matter what you do to me, no matter what you say, I'm going to stand up for Jesus. I pray that God will give us courage to stand up every day. Look, you've got opportunities. There's people posting all kinds of stuff on Facebook. Twitter, TikTok, you name it, whatever. There's stuff posting. How about you can post some stuff? 
Post a scripture verse. You don't have to say it's my opinion. Just I, I was driving some folks and, and Missy, I, I'm joining work with you and Tim up at Riverfront. It's a great experience. I never know who I'm going to have in the car. But I'm listening to two ladies in back talk one day as I'm driving them home from the airport. And they're like in their 40s, I think maybe early 50. And one saying the other said, no, I'm not into TikTok. I, I just haven't got into that yet. And the other said, well, I'm, I'm not really either. And I piped up and said, hey, I've been in TikTok since I was a kid. There's a clock in the wall with TikTok. <laughs> and we had websites all over the place before we had computers. There's spiders. They're the original website builder. I mean, <laughs> log on, log off. Every time you put a log on the fire, keep the house warm. Logging on? I still do that. I know. Okay, stop being silly, Pastor. Just make sure you're still alive with me. May God give us courage to take a stand and do what's right. We see that constantly. Many of you here want to see David as a group. It's like and sound. David stood up. He was courageous. A young man courageous. I don't care how big he is. My God. Is going to take him down. And he's going to use me. So every time you feel like, oh, just a little old me, what can I do? Why don't you read some of the stories of some of the great heroes of faith for all recorded scripture? The next thing is, uh, and I'm bringing this to a close, and they said, Really, are you? Yes, I am. I see the clock right now. Um, how about speak up? So you can do all the praying and fasting and ask for courage, but then D Day comes. Now you're going to walk in and hope that the king will put the scepter out and then I have to speak up. Watch how you don't get canceled. That's, that's right. That's what she's afraid of. He could cancel me because I could call you. She knew the law of the land. She spoke up. And, and the details were there of the plan that God gave with the banquets. It's something so cool. It's just like God put it in her heart and she followed through on his plan. And when you do what God tells you to do, I need to tell you, it always works. When you do what God tells you to do, understanding the will of God, we read that passage Ephesians, understanding the will of God, it always, not my will, not what sister so-so brother said to me, here's what God spoke directly to me, and I'm following you. And so she speaks up, and it's really cool. The king couldn't sleep one night. Did you ever have nights you can't sleep? And the older you get, it seems those nights nice I can't get to sleep. I have all these thoughts going through my mind. The king can't sleep, so he has to have the books for him. And he reads the story of Mordecai, who has saved him from an assassination plot. It's all there. It's really cool. And he's like, this is really cool. Has anything gone to honor Mordecai, who saved me from two people who are going to assassinate me? No, king, nothing has done. Hey, who, who's out there in the outer court? Have to be good old CEO Haman of the cancel generation. I didn't come in. This is so cool. I, I love how scripture talks. Haman comes in and the king says, Listen, if the king wanted to honor someone who'd done something great, what do you think he should do? Haman's so cocky and he's a smart alley. Oh, I know he's talking. Now he didn't say it out loud. He said, I know he's talking about me. So he says, All these things that the king should do. And the king says, Go do it to Mordecai. <laughs> Can you see his jaw drop? Can you see the blood just flow out of him and turn white? Can you just see this happening? Like, what? My enemy Mordecai? I have to put him on your horse, put one of his garments on him, and pray him through the city and say, this is what the king does to somebody he wants to honor. Can you see? It's all there. It's so cool. God knows how to make people restless to keep from sleeping. And how to work through that. It's all recorded here. It's just so cool. I love this story. Haman should have known his days were numbered after that took place. Because he went home and told his wife, she said, oh, this is not, this is not good news. <laughs> then we have the two banquets. And Esther says, that man right there, he wants to kill me and all my people. And the king's in a rage. He's in a rage because Haman's like right next to him. He can't believe this man. And he walks into like outside of the building well, and Haman... He knows what's coming. He knows he's doomed. And he's over there pleading for mercy. He's almost like falling on Esther. He's just there on the, on the bed, the couch, the chair. And the king goes back and says, What? You're even trying to molest my queen? Immediately. They put the hood on him and take him out. And, and someone says, Oh, by the way, 
He planned the gallows to hang Mordecai on a 75 foot tall. Take him there and hang him on it. Be careful, trap is set for others. Are you with me? Be careful. When you want to do wicked stuff. Esther spoke up. Here's the final thoughts. In Esther 8 to 10, this is big. God shows up. Every time we do what we're supposed to do, God shows up. In chapters 8 to 10, the Titus turned and the Jews killed over 75,000 of their enemies who were going to kill them. It's all recorded. Mordecai is raised to a position of honor next to the king himself, just like Joseph was raised up. It's all recorded. It's so cool. I love this story. And then you get down to the end of, of the, the book. Chapter 10. Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes, preeminent among the Jews and held in high esteem by his many fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. Do you want to do good? Do you want to bless people around you? Do you want to speak truth into a generation that's so lost and lost their moral compass? God will bless and he will honor you and he will raise you up. I'm just telling you, there's stuff he wants us to do. Waking up the woke generation. So let's just recap real quickly here, okay? What does God want us to do? He wants us to wake up. He wants us to stand up. He wants us to wisdom up, courage up, speak up, and God will show up. Don't forget that final line. God shows up. Doesn't matter how bleak it looks, God shows up. Everything is reversed because a woman named Esther and a cousin named Mordecai did what God told them to do. Or Jesus. We sometimes want to whine and complain of stuff that's happening in our culture. But three generations before that had even so much worse. But we see how they, they moved and what they did as you spoke to them. God, make us like these people. Every day, show us the opportunities we have to make a difference for righteousness. Maybe not miss the opportunities as you speak to us. Because the days are evil. Maybe not miss the opportunity. Once it's gone, it's gone. We, we have to take advantage and do what you tell us to do. We will see lives change. You will give us wisdom and understanding. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in His church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.